What does it mean to be successful? What are the criteria of a successful life? Well, according to the world, the criteria includes money, power, influence, innovation, fame, or any combination thereof. I googled world's most successful people, and it came up with all kinds of lists, but they're all very similar and rather predictable. One list, the 50 most successful people in the world, included Kylie Jenner, the world's youngest self-made billionaire, Cardi B, who won a Grammy for the best rap album of the year, Mark Zuckerberg, the founder of Facebook, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the youngest woman ever elected to Congress, Tom Brady, who has won more Super Bowls than any other player in history, Taylor Swift for the highest grossing tour in history, Dara Kozrauchahi, the CEO of Uber, who led the company to bring in $11.2 billion in 2018 alone. Liana Wen, president of the Planned Parenthood Federation of America. Now, some of the people on that list have made great contributions in the areas of sport, music, science, technology, business, and so on. Others are involved in business ventures which are morally questionable to say the least. But I think we get a clear idea of how the world sees success. I mean, someone might venture to say that someone like uh, Mother Teresa led a successful life because she was so compassionate and altruistic. We do admire that kind of life, but we don't necessarily aspire to it. And people like that don't usually become famous, so much so that it's very difficult to think of anyone besides Mother Teresa, who everyone will know, who is known because they gave their lives to the service of others. In the modern world, someone is far more likely to be famous for making a lot of money than they are for developing a life-saving vaccine, for example. I suspect that the scientist or the head scientist who leads the team to develop a vaccine for the coronavirus will not be as famous as Taylor Swift or Tiger Woods. They'll be in the news one day and the next day we'll have forgotten about them. You might be thinking, no way, they'll be super famous. But who developed a flu vaccine in the wake of Spanish flu? Uh, I'm guessing that most of us don't have names springing to mind. Uh, what if I ask who developed a vaccine for smallpox? He's well known, but he's not that well known, considering he's probably saved more lives than anyone else in history. It was, of course, Edward Jenner, but I suspect that most people wouldn't have been able to name him. The way we measure and celebrate success is actually quite bizarre. So what kind of life did Jesus live? How successful was he in worldly terms? Well, we measure a person's life from the time they're born to the time they die. So let's see how successful Jesus was in worldly terms during that period. Jesus was born into a poor family. He, he never really travelled. When he was a baby, his parents took him to Egypt, and he was probably a small boy when they made the return journey, but most of his life was spent in a fairly localised area. As an adult, he was, to all intents and purposes, homeless. He said, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He was a carpenter by profession, but he gave up his career at the age of about 30 to become a kind of itinerant preacher or teacher. He had no money. The religious leaders hated him. He didn't have any political influence, certainly didn't have an army. He never wrote anything down. He was never married. He never had a girlfriend. He had no children. 
He was a controversial character, frequently misunderstood, even by those closest to him, his own family and his disciples. And in the end, he was arrested, put on trial and executed, whereupon his friends denied and deserted him. That is hardly the portrait of a successful person in worldly terms. If you take the trajectory of Jesus's life as being from his birth to his death, you might wonder why we've even heard of him. And on that first Easter morning, Jesus's followers were heartbroken, they were fearful, they were confused and disillusioned. They just couldn't understand how it had all ended in such failure. They had thought that Jesus was the Messiah, the one who would liberate the Jewish people, and now he was dead and buried. It appeared that the trajectory of Jesus's life had not been one of success, but one of defeat and failure. But that is all about to change. Uh, Reading from verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken our Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. Things are seemingly going from bad to worse. Not only had Jesus been crucified, but now his body had been moved and they didn't know where it was. So Peter and John, the author of this gospel, go running to the tomb and they find that there's nothing in there except for Jesus's grave clothes. And this is the moment that John believes. He sees inside the empty tomb and he is convinced that Jesus has risen from the dead. Despite all that they've been through over the past few days, the trajectory of Jesus's life was always one of victory. And there's another beautiful moment in this passage where someone else realises that everything has changed. This time it's Mary Magdalene. And I think uh, these few verses are my favourite in all of scripture. So I don't need an excuse to read them again. Uh, Reading from verse 14. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. So we have these two wonderful moments when John and Mary Magdalene realised that everything has changed. Defeat has turned to victory and that was always going to be the case. If we were to measure the success of Jesus's life in worldly terms, we might be tempted to conclude that it was a failure. But the resurrection changes that. The resurrection is the only thing that could change that. Jesus rose to new and everlasting life to reign in glory forever. And here's the really good news. If we put our faith and our trust in Jesus, our lives are on that same trajectory. Whatever transpires between our birth and our death, If we know and love Jesus, we are on a trajectory to victory. I want to contrast the lives of two hypothetical people. They're hypothetical because I don't have uh, anyone in particular in mind. Uh, Though, of course, these kinds of people do exist. The first is a very wealthy person, a self-made 
billionaire. He has properties in all kinds of exotic locations. He owns a yacht and a private jet. He lives on his own private island. He's got a family. They're all perfectly healthy. He gives a fair amount of money away. So that relieves uh, any sense of guilt that he might have for being so wealthy. What's more, he makes sure that everybody knows that he gives money away. So there's no sense of condemnation from the world. He's healthy, he's wealthy, and he's popular. And I think most people would agree that that sounds like a very successful person. The second person is poor. He lives in a developing country in a shanty town next to a rubbish heap. He too has a family, but one of his children are lame. If he lived in the West, his child would have access to corrective surgery, but that's not available to this family. Some of the, uh, their other children and relatives have died from preventable diseases. They've got no savings, no social security, no pension, and no hope of a better life. They live every day, hand to mouth, uh, with barely enough to eat. So both of these people, the rich person and the poor person, they eventually die. The rich person at the age of 96 and the poor person at the age of 52. Now, if I said to the average person, one of those lives was always on a trajectory to success and the other was always on a trajectory to failure, which is which? I'm pretty sure that most people would say that the rich person's life had followed a trajectory of success. But in reality, we're not given enough information to know because we only know what happened between life and death. But the message of Easter, the resurrection of Jesus, tells us that new life is possible. Eternal life with God in a world that's been made perfect. It could be that the rich person rejected uh, Jesus. It's likely, in fact, because Jesus said it is hard, not impossible, but it's hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God, uh, kingdom of heaven. In which case, the rich person's life was on a downward trajectory towards death and eternal separation from God. Not loving God is the worst kind of failure. If we don't love God, not only have we missed the whole point of life, but we've also missed out on the life to come. And it could be that the poor person knew Jesus as his Lord and Saviour, in which case his life was always on a trajectory to victory, as Paul tells us in Romans 8. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. In other words, what belongs to Christ belongs to us, not least eternal life. A person's worldly success has no bearing on the trajectory of their lives. You know, in the Western world, things have been so good for so long that many people expect their lives to follow a certain trajectory, a trajectory of greater ease or comfort or wealth, a trajectory of ever greater success. And those who don't experience this often become disenfranchised, bitterly disappointed and resentful. And often they experience a real sense of failure. And I came across this a lot when I was working in a socially deprived part of London. Uh, and for those who fare better, whose lives do seem to follow a more pleasant trajectory, very often they put that down to their own ingenuity and industriousness. But the reality is the world is not a level playing field where you're born and the kind of upbringing you have will have a huge impact on the kind of opportunities that 